This is a beautiful morning. I uh, wanted to share a couple things. We're in a series on 10 plus 1. Ten commandments, one new commandment uh, that Jesus gave us was to love. And we went through a couple of messages, and the first one dealt with just making God important in your life, that you should have no other gods before him. And then we talked about serving God and loving others was what he wanted you to do. He wanted you to literally serve him only, no other gods that you should create. And then today's, as we get to today's command, is really a sort of just an addition to that. And what I like about this command is I realized it has a whole lot of implication into our culture today. It says, you will not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And I noticed that many of you, depending on if you've read this or not, have heard different translations. Uh, some of them say, do not use the Lord's name in vain or vanity. This one says, misuse of the name. There are different words I've heard used with this section. And I thought to myself, so why is this important? Why is it important? What does it really mean to sort of misuse the name of God? What did he intend us to understand about this? Well, the first thing I wanted to share with you is that we misuse words all the time, don't we? And this word itself, when it's translated out of the Hebrew into the English and when you start to unwrap it, you realize what he's saying is this. To use God's name irreverently as a curse word or vainly simply as an empty word or expression or even needlessly as an exclamation. Any and all will be held guilty. And I thought, wow, this command bears home. I remember asking my son, you know, one of the two struggles in high school as far as morally and ethically. He said, one of the big deals is everybody cusses, you know. Now, I had to do some research on this, which is interesting for a pastor to research and Google cussing. But the reality was I found out that, thank, thank the Lord above, that God is not in the top ten. But there's a lot of cussing. Everybody has said things they regret, Right? Everybody has said something that they would like to have taken back. But the difference is we don't really put much power into words. We don't, we don't really see words as all important. And we actually see oftentimes words over here like they don't matter as much. Other people highly value them. But what does God say? God says, first of all, you can't misuse them. Why? As you research and understand God, you realize that, first of all, he created this world with words. He spoke. He said, let there be this, and there was this. Words to God have incredible power. He also showed us that his name should be given respect. Jesus, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer, the first thing he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed. And hallowed, rare use of this word, it, it literally has this idea of respecting something that's sort of tinged with awe. And what that means is when you use the word God, you should use it in a way of respecting it, but then also with sort of a shadow of his awe. So like when you go out in nature and you say, look at all this incredible stuff God created, there's a tinge of awe, awe under the trees or under the canopy of the skies and the stars. Proper use. But Jesus, too, was given a special name. In fact, in the New Testament, Jesus is then named as God. 
That was the big thing that everybody was struggling over and wrestling over was who is Jesus and, and does his name matter in that sense? And yet his matter is so important, his name matters so much that God himself would exalt the name of Jesus above every name. So do you see how names can be important? When I was doing this uh, study sort of in the culture and the uh, culture of cussing in our society, and by the way, people have actually researched it and done a lot of this, uh, there's been an uptick since 89 to present. Uh, there's been a 6% increase in vulgarity in our culture. And uh, typically, on average, about a 6% increase. And it was interesting, too, because they studied regions of the United States and which cuss words were most popular. And based upon where you're living, you find which cuss words are most popular. And again, I was thankful that, you know, Jesus and God, they're, they're in there, but they're, they weren't making the top ten anymore, which is awesome in some ways, I guess. Uh, but other things were. And one of the studies enlightened, to, enlightened me to something that was very important. It basically said, people really articulate and find how they express words through their community. 72% of you learn how to communicate through words in a community or with the people you know and love. Only 15% are influenced by social media in the way they communicate. So it's basically saying that you talk the way you are influenced with people around you, whether it's your parents or your friends at school or people at work. You communicate based on the people you surround yourselves with. And it was talking about how these are the ways we integrate words into our lives. And yet, the killer on this is how many of us have said things we regret? How, how many of you have said things that you wish you could take those words, what, back? That you've misused something and, and you'd like to bring it back. Words are different oftentimes than actions even. Because words are a different form of action. People don't realize that words have power. I was thinking, where does Jesus explain this to us? Where, where in the New Testament we do, do we see this misuse of God's name and the power of words come into play? And so I'd like you to take a look in your Bibles in Luke. In Luke, there's a wonderful section I want you to take a look at where Jesus is about to enter the city of Capernaum and he, he's preaching to a crowd outside the city before he goes in. And in Luke chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 43... He makes this incredible statement. Now, as he enters into this statement, as you're getting there, I want to read to you a quote out of James, which is really one of my favorites, by the way, when it comes to words. <clears throat> I'm sorry, this one's Proverbs. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. But James will tell us, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this shouldn't be. That's one of my favorites. Why? Because it's basically showing you God's heart. Like, I created all mankind in my image. I love all of you. And so you come into church and you praise God and you say, thank you God for everything. And then you go out and you're going to curse your brothers and sisters and humans around you. You're going to argue and complain. 
You're going to gossip. That's inconsistent with the nature of who God is. And, and we, we forget words have power. I mean, really big power is found in words. In this section, when Jesus preaches it, he says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. You see, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from a thorn bush or grapes from briars. You see, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Listen, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you, Jesus is saying to the audience, treat me with respect and do not do what I tell you to do? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, if you do these things, I will show you what they are like. Let me show you through words. They are like a man who built a house who dug down deep and he laid a foundation on rock. And when a flood came and the torrent struck that house, it could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words does not put them into practice. That's like the man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. He's telling you that if you put my words into actions, it creates a foundation. I want you to write something on your paper really quick. Your words set the course of your life. Write it at the top. Highlight it. Bolden it. Your words set the course of your life. The way you talk, the, the things you say, it sets the course of your life. And this isn't me saying it. And there's this incredible connections, connection with words and power. You see, words not only set the course of your life, they can help you to heaven or they can lead you to hell. Outside of the Gospels, a rare use of hell is found in the James section I was telling you. And it's directly connected to the tongue. It says, you know, your tongue is like a spark that can set the forest on fire. Once it goes out, it can light a fire and you can't bring it back. It's uncontrollable. But he said at the very beginning of that letter, he said, you know what, but your tongue, if you could master your tongue, if you could control what you say and discipline your tongue, you could be a perfect person. You want to know how to be perfect in your life? Master the piece of meat in your mouth. The problem is, who in this room has ever done that? We have all sinned and fall short. We've all struggled with our mouth. But you see, your words, they set the course of your life. There's an illustration of James where he says it's like a, it's like a rudder on a boat. It literally gives you the course of where you're going to go. You want to be a, a more joyous person? Well, then where are the words of joy coming out of your mouth? You want to be a more gracious person? Then where are the words of grace that flow out of your mouth? You see, the good tree will bear the good fruit. And you see, the mouth will speak what's really in your heart. I've had people that they'll say things about themselves or a situation, and then their friend next to them will say, oh, that's not true, they don't mean that. And I stop them and I say, no, 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 you, you don't understand. 
It is true because it came from their mouth and it reflects their heart. We don't like to think that there are things in our hearts that shouldn't be there. Man, I can't tell you how, how important certain words are. I remember when I was younger and I was about to get married, my wife and I were dating, and I refused to say I love you to a girl until I could back it with action. I was not going to tell a, a girl I loved her unless I really meant it and I was willing to make the commitment that comes behind that word. I wasn't going to use it flippantly. Like many people, love is just a word. But to me, love was an action, an action of commitment. And if I was to especially engage that with a woman at my age when I was young and single and less, you know, weighed less, there were a lot of things different when I was younger. <laughs> but I was going to make a commitment behind that word. And I'll tell you what, that night that I told her I loved her, I don't think she knew what I was saying because it was the... It was one of those moments in, in the, your life where you knew the words you were about to say had power on your soul. Words have power. People, they walk around, they misuse God's name all the time as though it's nothing. And yet God says, you will find it is never nothing when you use my name. You don't use it flippantly as an exclamation with vanity. You need to think about what you're saying. You need to realize that your words are actions. When we took our son in, I found out something interesting in the doctor's office. Did you know that your eyes are a direct extension of your mind? They're not like other parts of your body. Your eyes are directly connected to your brain. They're an extension of your brain. And so what you think and what you see, those have an influence. Well, that's what he's saying here with your heart and your mouth. You see, your mouth really is connected to the seat of your desires or your heart. And so when you're driving down the freeway and you get upset at somebody and you cuss them out, that is coming out of your heart. You would desire something bad into them. Now, would God desire you to say that? No. Would you need to learn a little more self-discipline from the heart to the mouth? Yes. See, just like the mind to the eyes and the heart to the mouth, each must be disciplined to see the things of God and to say the truth of God. Each needs self-control. Because there are plenty of things that we should avoid with our eyes and there are plenty of things we should stop letting come out of our mouths. And, and the, the word God himself, the misuse of the word God itself, that's just the beginning of the road. Jesus is telling us that if you're going to bear good fruit, if you're going to be a good Christian, if you're going to learn to love others the way I love people, then you're going to have to learn to control your mouth. And I'll tell you what, that's been a lifelong journey for me. And I'm a pastor. And I know the influences in your life, they make a big difference. What are your friends like? Where did you learn to talk the way you talk? We need to literally use the words of God. And I think that's, that's the connection I never made for years in my faith was that when the Bible says something or when you hear Jesus directly saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you even show me respect if you don't do what I tell you to do? What does this even matter? 
Because you see, you guys are just throwing meaningless words out when you say, oh, Lord, Lord, we respect you as a great teacher, but you're unwilling to do what the great teacher tells you. He wants to lay a foundation in your life that is so secure. He wants to set the course of your life and he wants you to start talking like you know that. Words are actions and they are connected to your heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What's your heart full of? You know, um, when I wrestle with my tongue, it's interesting to me. I'm, I'm not wrestling with my tongue. I'm wrestling with my heart. Did you ever notice that? If you just talk all the time ad infinitum, did you know there's always sin when words are plenty? If you just like to talk, talk, talk and hear yourself talking, you're going to talk yourself into what? Sin. That's what you're going to do. Sin's not absent when you just jabber. But does that mean you should just be quiet and say nothing? Sometimes. But no, what Jesus is saying is you need to speak up and say the right things. You need to fill your mouth and your heart with good things because you need to be a tree that bears good fruit. You need to be an encouraging person. Were you raised with encouraging words, gracious words, uplifting words, beneficial words? Jesus knows that many people are not raised that way. And he's saying, I am here to show you a way of life, a course that you must set. And by the way, it starts with your mouth. It starts with your mouth. And these words will bring you life. What kind of life? All life. In fact, did you know to even be saved, there are exceptions, but the rule is... That salvation itself is done with words. There is no other name higher above any name than Jesus because at the name of Jesus, a person's life can be saved. And in Romans, he says that the way you come to salvation and eternal life is believing in your heart, right? And that's where you're justified, but it's with your mouth you do what? Your mouth exercises your faith, and faith is trust. Your mouth tells me what you're really trusted in. You know, if all you talk about is some pop star, then really what you're putting your faith in is an icon. If all you talk about is relationships, then what you're putting your faith in is a dependency on relationships. You see what he's getting here? You confess with your mouth... What, where your faith is, what you're trusting in. When my wife and I went through the hospital, went through difficult times, we had to trust in something. Do you think we trust it in the doctors? No. We trust it in God. Do you think we trust it in the nurses? No. We trust it in God. Why? Because I'll tell you what, there were doctors that could have killed our son. There were nurses that could have killed our son. We could have done it ourselves. Now, were there good people, good doctors? Absolutely. But it's not where you put your life and your trust. It's amazing to me. You don't realize what people are trusting in until that thing is taken away. I just heard a lady who say that, that, that they trusted in the doctors for something, and then they did it, and now their son is permanently handicapped. And it, she was just shocked. 
like she put her whole life and trust in that doctor. And, and I said, that was your first mistake. Doctors are people. We make mistakes. I expect that to happen. The difference is God is not. And he expects to be respected and treated differently. Tinged with a bit of awe. Why would you misuse the word God or Jesus? It was the way I was raised. I don't even think about it. It's just an exclamation. Then you do it in vain. And the guilt will still land on you. How do you expect to make friends if all you ever say are negative things? Why are you surprised when people are hurt by you, when you bring out these things? The statement I, I hate in our society, the colloquial phrase that needs to be ripped from the dictionary is that sticks and stones do what? And what do words do? Nothing? Are you kidding me? Words have destroyed people's lives. Words have destroyed children's lives. Uh, man, cussing in the high school issue. Yeah, I get that. Don't do it. Middle school girls ripping on each other. Wow. Don't do it. Adults slandering people behind their back and power grabbing. Don't do it. Stop it. Use the words of life. What I love about this section that Jesus teaches us is he says, practice my words and build on a solid foundation. Nobody taught me this. Did you know when you come to follow Jesus, you're given a whole new vocabulary, and your vocabulary and dictionary is right here? When's the last time you word, used the word grace, forgiveness, faith, hope, kindness, compassion, out of your mouth? When, when's the last time you used that word? Practice those words. Practice bearing good fruit. Facebook, good fruit. Talk to your friends, use good fruit. And when they slander, when they want to gossip, what are you supposed to do? You encourage them to not do it. You encourage them not to misuse the beautiful words God's given us. You encourage them to practice the words Jesus gave us. This was a journey for me because it was a journey in learning how to practice honoring God and others and doing good things. You know what honor is, by the way? Honor isn't what you say to a person in front of them. Honor is what you say about the person when they're not in the room. Honor is what you say when somebody's not around and then you bring them in and you have this great moment of honoring somebody. Have you ever heard somebody talk really nice in front of them and then they walk and behind their back they're slandering them? Have you ever heard that happen? Have you ever done that? Honor is how your kids talk about you when you're not in the room. Honor is what you talk about others like. And I'm telling you right now, folks, people have different conversations oftentimes behind closed doors than they do in front of people's faces. And I sit there and I go, this should not be. You should bear good fruit, which means it needs to come from your heart. 
out your mouth. What was the journey for me? Well, I want to share something with you. If you never connect the words of the word of God to your mouth, then you miss the big picture because Jesus said, I am the word. Because the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. The word was with God, wasn't it? It was in the very beginning with God and it dwelled among us. And then Jesus said, I have dwelt among us. You call me Lord. You say you respect me. Then you need to start talking like me. You need to start saying things like me. You need to start honoring me, God. It starts with God. If you can't honor God and the very name of God, how are you going to honor people who are created in his image? And to James's point, this should not be that you come to church and praise God and then go out and curse man. This should not be. These are inconsistencies in our faith. And the commands of God say do and don't do. But the heart of Jesus says, be, be this person who is full of love. Be this person who goes out and speaks love into people's lives. I, I expect the world to cuss. I expect the world to say terrible things, to slander. Here's the difference. I expect me and you to go out these doors today and speak different words. And if you don't know Jesus, I tell you this. There is no other name by which to be saved. And so you simply need to profess and have faith and trust in him with all your heart. And say it. Say you want to know Jesus. See, the truth is, we live in a world of inconsistency. I can't tell you how many times I've been to churches, including our own church. Many of us in this room, by the way, even say it. Oh my. Listen, I was raised, I, w I lived down in L.A. a while. My, my wife was born in the valley. Valley girls. What did valley girls talk like? You remember when valley girls was a thing? I know it dates me, but do you remember the valley girl? I just, I think we don't get it. I think we don't realize that your mouth is an action. That every time you open that thing, realize the, the action that you're taking. And it reflects your heart. And even if you say, oops, I didn't mean that. No, you meant that. Now what are you going to do with it? Don't deny the action of your lips. Because it keeps you from repenting of your heart. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I said that. No, no, no. That was so wrong. Will you forgive me for sinning against you when I said that? I'm just like you. I see things on TV. I talk to people. Things irritate me. I want to pop off. We like to call it venting as though that's a healthy word. Right? Venting. But it's not. It's not acceptable to God that you vent. Oh, well, then I'll do that with my wife and my kid behind the clothes. No. You don't get it. Sin is sin no matter where you vent it. The issue is, do you have self-control of the piece of meat in your mouth? Man, guys, listen. Not only does this restrain your mouth from evil, it sets your soul free to do what's right. It sets your soul free to say, okay, 
okay, I need to put some, some reins on my mouth, but in the process of doing that, I am going to open my mouth and say new words, and I mean it. I mean it. I want to love unconditionally. I want to show grace. I want to correct people in love. I want to reprove people in love, but I want to encourage them, and I want to love them into these good deeds. You see, your mouth sets the course of your life. You're not going to meet a good lawyer who doesn't know how to speak like a lawyer. You're not going to meet anybody in any profession who's any good unless they know how to talk the talk. And so to Jesus' point, the mouth will speak what the heart is full of. Consider the words of your mouth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Your name is hallowed. God, your word itself is special. And in our culture, Father, if anything, we need to ask your forgiveness that we have made it such a, a little thing. That the God of the universe who would love us so much, that Jesus, that you would do so much for us, and we would make it such a little thing, a trivial word. So, Father, I pray that you would allow us to confess that first and foremost, and that you would, you would be in the heart of our words, that we'd start speaking to one another, both in front of people and behind people, honoring, loving, and showing your grace. Teach us encouraging words. Many of us were never raised with them. No one ever surrounded us. In fact, maybe even now there are people in this room that are in communities of people that they're just, they're vulgar. They never build up people. I've never, you know, many people have never learned how to build up one another. Teach us through your words. Let us listen to what you said. And may we set the course of our life as a sure foundation that when storms in life hit, we will not crumble. Thank you, Father, for loving us in words and in deeds. In your name, amen. Stand with us for one.